0: Welcome to the She Talks Health podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepherd. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co creator of the 12 week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today from the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there is a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So, with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode.
1: Hey, everybody. Sophie Shepard here, founder of She Talks Health, and I am so excited for a solo episode. I love our guests, and it's also so fun to do these solo episodes because I can just... Get into all the nerdy science stuff that I love to talk about. And uh, before we dive in, I just want to say thank you so much for being a subscriber to this podcast, for supporting it. It is truly my pleasure to create this podcast, to spend time on this podcast. I hear from women all around the world, from Japan to Australia, to here in the States, how the podcast is impacting you. And it is very, very cool. So thank you so much. And if you find this podcast helpful, it's always great to send it to a friend, You can review it. You can give us five stars or whatever you believe we deserve here at She Talks Health for the podcast. And that always helps us grow. And I just so appreciate you. So thank you for being a listener. All right. So today's episode, we are going to talk about estrogen and we're going to specifically talk about estrogen deficiency or low estrogen in women who are premenopausal. So that means women in you know, your teens, twenties, thirties, even forties, people who are not in menopause or going into menopause. And we're going to talk about the symptoms of low estrogen so that you can identify if this could be part of your story. The lab testing that you can request or investigate, the reasons why you would have low estrogen to begin with, and what you can do about it. Because here at She Talks Health, we really believe that women should be fully educated and empowered to make great decisions for their health. And we believe that the way we do that is with specific knowledge that can help us make good decisions. So let's dive right into the symptoms of low estrogen. So if you are dealing with low estrogen, you may find, you may find that you have certain symptoms like hot flashes, night sweats, vaginal dryness, you could have intercourse that is painful, recurrent bladder infections or UTIs, urinary incontinence, and headaches, brain fog, forgetfulness, and poor concentration, depression, anxiety, mood swings, you could feel very tired and have that fatigue. You could have more tears, crying, mood swings. And, um, also you could have thinning hair. You can also have facial hair, dry skin and waking and joint pain. So, ouch, not fun, not fun. And you'll notice a lot of those symptoms are similar to what you would expect a woman going through menopause to have. And what's been interesting in the years that I've been working in the hormonal health space, I've seen so many women with this same set of symptoms, but they are nowhere even near menopause. So I want to speak specifically to the women who are dealing with low estrogen and it's well before the time that they should be. So if some of those symptoms are sounding close to home and maybe potentially because of low estrogen, there's a lot of other reasons for some of these symptoms. So this is why I always suggest we test and we don't guess as far as testing. My absolute favorite test is the Dutch complete hormone test from precision analytical. I love that this test gives you not only your estrogen, but it gives you your testosterone, your progesterone, your DHEA, um, your melatonin, your, um, and all of your chemicals that impact stress. So your cortisol levels, I really, really love that about the Dutch test. And it's something that you can do at home and a practitioner like myself can, um, actually look at it and give you an analysis. So I really do like Dutch testing when you're trying to understand what's going on with your hormones. The only caveat that I'll say is as we go through the list of reasons why you could have low estrogen, you'll see very quickly that you may be able to adjust things in your nutrition or through other functional lab tests like GI tests to really get to the root of why your hormones are wonky. I think that... We live in a society that likes to blame hormones for a lot. And our hormones are often very reactive. So, you know, your estrogen estrogen didn't just decide one day, I'm just gonna be low today, you know, or low for a while. It, there was a cause. And so when we think about it from a functional range, from an optimizing range, from a root cause range, we're always looking at, well, why is this hormone acting like this? Why is it so low? So when in practice and in, in, my, um, in my programs, I don't normally start with a Dutch test. And that's because I feel that if we can adjust other things, we typically can support hormones, um, because they are so reactive to our environment and our lifestyle. So let's get into those reasons. So some of the top reasons for estrogen deficiency is low cholesterol, low body fat, low-fat diet, chronic stress, nutrient deficiencies, poor diet and lifestyle, gluten sensitivity, childbirth, breastfeeding, and birth control pills, a hysterectomy, and antibodies against the ovaries. So let's talk about some of these. Well, we'll talk about, we're going to talk about all of them. (laughs) So in order for our body to create hormones, we actually have to have enough Cholesterol. Cholesterol is the precursor to all of our steroid hormones. The body cannot produce estrogen without it. So if cholesterol is low and I define low cholesterol as below 160 milligrams per deciliter, you want to ask why is it so low? Okay. And the number one reason for low cholesterol is liver or biliary congestion. So that just comes back to poor digestion poor bile flow, okay? But another huge reason is going to be a low fat diet. So back <laughs> in the 80s we had, you know, the rise of a lot of hey, fat is bad for you, don't eat any fat, eat margarine instead. And unfortunately we know now that that was not necessarily the best advice. We of course want to eat in proportion to everything. We want to have good amounts of carbohydrates, fats, and proteins, and we don't want to just completely eliminate fat. And the main reason is that that dietary fat really helps us to build those healthy hormones. Okay. Also helps us keep our blood sugar stable. It's a really important part of the diet. So oftentimes I find that women are eating a low fat diet because they think it's going to keep them from gaining fat on the body. And then we go too far to the extreme and it will trigger that body to not create enough estrogen. Okay. That's how one of the ways that estrogen is very reactive. All right. So low cholesterol, low fat diet, low body fat, All part of that same kind of uh, stress that's being put on the body that's telling the body to not create that estrogen. So, speaking of stress, chronic stress is definitely one of those areas that will impact hormones. I always say if your cortisol is imbalanced and you have a lot of stress that you're not dealing with, or that you don't have the tools and resources to deal with that is going to definitely topple over the rest of your hormones, whether it's your estrogen or your thyroid. So we have to deal with cortisol and chronic stress. Sometimes the adrenal glands don't produce enough hormone called DHEA, which is the precursor hormone to estrogen. So if DHEA is low, estrogen may also be low as a result. Okay. It's, it's normal and expected for estrogen levels to decline as women get older and we stop ovulating. However, if we are in that ovulatory range, we should not be having that low estrogen. All right. So if adrenals are healthy, the glands themselves are, are healthy. We always want to make sure the communication to the, from the brain to the adrenals is working properly. That's your HPA access function. All right. And we want to make sure that the the brain is getting the signal that it's safe enough, that it's creating enough and the right amounts of all the other hormones like DHEA and cortisol, and then subsequently to be converted to estrogen. Okay. So when we are premenopausal, so again, that's women who are not anywhere near menopause, estrogen is produced in the ovaries and in the adrenal glands. And then after menopause, the ovaries produce less estrogen and it becomes a job of the adrenal glands to supply estrogen. And provide the hormone precursors like DHEA. So while we are well before menopause, it is super, super important to support the adrenals, the HPA access, our brain and stress so that, um, we can have healthy hormones now, but also as we age, because that's where most of the estrogen is going to come from. Okay. Is the adrenal glands later on. So we have to get our stress in check. Okay. Okay. All right, and then nutrient deficiencies. So, when there's low nutrients or when we're not digesting and assimilating our food, we can have low hormones. And that could be estrogen, progesterone, thyroid, um, you name it, we could have that imbalance. So, when we are nutrient deficient, we do always want to just ask, why are we deficient, right? Are we eating a nutrient dense diet and we're just not absorbing it in our gut? Do we have low stomach acid or low digestive enzymes? And so the body's not properly breaking it down and we're not absorbing the food, or are we simply just eating a diet that's lacking those nutrients? All right. Another thing that could be happening is are there pathogenic organisms like parasites in the GI tract that are stealing the nutrients or damaging the gut lining, to the point where the nutrients cannot be absorbed. Right. So for example, um, you know, if we're not eating enough magnesium rich foods or the simple fact that our soils are depleted and we might not be getting the same amount of magnesium from our foods these days. And we might need to supplement with magnesium, or maybe we have low stomach acid, or we have a leaky gut and our lining of our gut is damaged. And therefore we are not going to absorb those nutrients that we're supplementing with and eating. So this is where, as I mentioned earlier, I often don't start with a Dutch test because I find that so many of us are dealing with digestive capacity issues. So we're either dealing with low stomach acid, or we're dealing with poor gallbladder and bile function, or uh, we have a leaky gut. And so if we can address that first, oftentimes we can get a lot further because all of a sudden now we can absorb our nutrients, right? And then that's going to tell the body to manufacture um, and metabolize the hormones that we need. So, poor diet and lifestyle habits could include tons of, you know, processed sugar, lots and lots of caffeine and tobacco. Those can all disrupt the endocrine system, the hormone system, and lead to hormone imbalance. Now, caffeine has different effects on estrogen at different stages of the menstrual cycle. Sometimes it decreases estrogen; other times it increases estrogen. So, it is just a good idea to kind of track how caffeine's impacting you. If you're having a ton of caffeine, maybe you swap it to an herbal tea, or you just reduce the amount of caffeine. I know that sometimes I've had clients who are having like four cups of coffee a day. That is a lot of caffeine. Your body might not be able to metabolize that. And that could be impacting your estrogen levels. Next refined sugar does stress the body and it pulls nutrients out like magnesium that the body actually needs to create our hormones. So, I want you to just remember it's not that you can never have sugar, right? But it's just knowing that when we have a ton of refined sugar day in day out all day long, it's going to put stress on the body. It can cause a hormonal imbalance because it's causing inflammation, spiking your blood sugar and depleting your nutrients, okay? So, you just really want to watch that. And of course, I don't really need to I don't think talk too long about tobacco. We know that that's toxic and a hormonal um, imbalancer. So we want to make sure we are um, supporting that by balancing our blood sugar. You know, making healthy blood sugar um, swaps uh, for maybe less processed sugar, reducing our caffeine, and obviously not smoking. Okay. And then gluten sensitivity specifically can impact estrogen levels. There's uh, studies that have been linking gluten sensitivity and celiac disease with amenorrhea or also known as no period at all. So just completely skipping your cycle infertility and diminished ovarian reserve. And that's most likely because gluten can uh, cause antibodies and cause, um, antibodies against the ovaries. Okay. So we know that gluten can cause a lot of inflammation in the body. Sometimes that leads to actual antibodies. Sometimes it doesn't, but we know it causes a lot of inflammation and just away from even just the studies and what I've just seen from my practice and working with so many women with hormone and gut issues and brain issues, I have seen gluten removal be like one of the biggest things that will impact someone's entire body system. I know for me, it it helps me to feel less fatigued and less brain fog. So I would highly, highly look into whether or not a gluten-free diet or even a trial of hundred percent gluten-free for 30 days could support your body. Okay. And then I think it's probably clear, but breastfeeding and childbirth, your estrogen is expected to be low. Okay. So I wouldn't worry too much if that's the stage of life that you're in. Now, if you're on birth control, something that a lot of people don't realize is that it does suppress ovulation. And so, um, that is going to suppress your estrogen levels. So you can sometimes have the symptoms of low estrogen when you're on birth control because of that suppression. So that's just something to know if you're on medication and then obviously a hysterectomy with a full removal of the ovaries can, is going to cause menopause pretty much immediately. So that's why you would have those low estrogen symptoms popping up. All right and then you can have um decreased function of the ovaries or the pituitary gland if there's antibodies against the ovaries or you know there's inflammation widespread in the body that would obviously take quite a lot of investigation why is there so much inflammation is it lime is it mold is it heavy metals is it um a severe food allergy or sensitivity that's causing all of that and you would have to do some um, lab testing to find out what's going on there. I would say I haven't really seen that in practice. I've really seen it be more related to stress, undereating, and poor absorption of food, and then the gluten. Those have been the top four that I've seen. So when we think about what can we do about this? There are food-based things, there are supplement-based things, and there's lifestyle things that we can try. And from the lifestyle perspective, it definitely, it's stress, right? We have to identify what is the stress, the sources of stress in the body. Now, when I say stress, that could mean emotional, and we want to help to help you have a stress toolkit, right? Against emotional fatigue from stress because stress is going to come in and how we respond to it is going to impact our physical health. So with emotional stress, there are things like somatic tools and neurological balancing, like brain chemical balancing. There is getting into parasympathetic and rest and digest. And there's of course, subconscious mindset work. So this is a lot of what we're doing in our new program freedom unlocked. And this is something that, you know, we really have found is so, so important because physical health is impacted by our emotional health. And if we are only addressing the physical health, sometimes we um, miss the emotional health and then therefore we don't get better. And that was definitely the case for me. So You know, I think, um, whether it's therapy working or working with us or doing even trauma release, like through EMDR, things like that, there's a lot of resources out there to get a handle on your emotional stress. And I can't emphasize it enough that it's, it's that important. It can and does topple over every other hormone. Okay. And then there's physical stress, right? Like if you got in a car accident or you broke your foot or something like that, that would be a physical stress. There's dietary stress. If you're eating inflammatory foods, like sugar and gluten and things like that, that could be really causing issues. And then there's like infections and toxins, right? Like Lyme and mold and metals and, um, things like, uh, parasites. Right. So that's where a lot of the work we do in, in our programs, comes into play where we look into those infections and toxins and sources of inflammation in the body. Okay. So that stress, right. That's a pretty big topic in and of itself. And then enough dietary fats. So are you eating any coconut oil or olive oil or avocado oils or just avocado themselves or nuts and seeds or grass fed pasture raised meat or wild caught fish, right? Are you getting enough fat? And there should be fat in every single meal, whether that's a tablespoon of olive oil or a piece of wild caught fish, there needs to be fat with every single meal. Okay. Then another thing I see a lot, at least here in the States, is just over-exercising, overdoing it, overtraining. Maybe I've heard this past week, like, oh yeah, I'll work out for like two hours a day and like do spin and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. Can we you know, can we slow that down because over-exercising is a form of stress. So if you are over-exercising, you might want to swap it out. Maybe go for a walk, do some yoga, do some Pilates, do even strength training instead of maybe the, like the hit and the spin all the time in excessive amounts. Right. So just check that out and see if you feel like you might be doing too much. And then do you have, um, healthy gut function, right? So we need intestinal flora to be balanced and healthy so that we can really absorb all those nutrients that we're eating. So that's where a GI maps test comes into play. So you can identify and eliminate any pathogens, bacteria, or yeast. You can certainly try things like fermentable carbohydrates, right? That are food for good bacteria, like cultured foods, like sauerkraut, uh, probiotics, but oftentimes if we have an overgrowth of something pathogenic, then probiotics and prebiotics are just not going to be enough. You can certainly try, as I've mentioned, a gluten-free diet, even for a period of 30 days to just see if it works. Now, just one note, if you are trying to see if it works for you, you do need to be 100% gluten-free there's not like an 80, 20 rule on that specific food, because if you have an immune reaction to it, you're going to create antibodies immediately. And it's going to stay in the body for three to six months after. So if you're going to give the gluten thing a try, like actually go fully into it. Don't just do it like kind of 80, 20 on that particular thing. Then we could avoid or reduce that caffeine, the sugar, and obviously smoking. And then when it comes to, you know, specific kind of supplement things, you can look into like adaptogenic herbs, right? For our brain, those are adaptogens help us to manage stress, whether our cortisol is really high or really low. So examples of that are ashwagandha, eleuthero, reishi mushrooms, those types of adaptogens that you can look into. Um, holy basil is another one. You can look into maca as well for another type of supplemental support. And then um, there's certain foods that have been shown to potentially support. So things like flax and beans and fruits and vegetables, right? Sesame seeds, quinoa, um, peaches, dates, prunes, blackberries, pomegranates, um, sweet potatoes, yucca, asparagus, broccoli, you know, really kind of tasting the rainbow here, right? And then there is also seed cycling. So seed cycling is a process by which you swap the seeds that you are taking in um, one to two tablespoons per day, and then you're going to swap them halfway through the month. So I actually have a seed cycling guide that I will, um, yeah, I'm going to link it to the show notes here. I would say I haven't seen seed cycling alone necessarily to be the thing that fixes, you know. (laughs) Our hormones, but it is something that can be useful. And the reason it's useful is it can help the body to have phytoestrogens in the first half of the cycle. And then it's going to help with certain nutrients like vitamin E and zinc that promote progesterone production in the second half of the cycle. So Essentially it's flax in the first half is really, really helpful. And then the sesame and sunflowers in the second half are very, very helpful. So I'll include those seed cycling guides and it's pretty easy, you know, to do, and you can try it out and see if you like seed cycling. Okay. Some other herbals that you can ask your practitioner about is whether or not things like black cohosh, hops, um, dung quai, red clover, Vitex, licorice root, St. John's wort. Do any of these things make sense for you? I would highly recommend you talk to a practitioner and you get your tests done. You don't want to just randomly supplement with herbs. For one, you could do more damage than than help. And also two, it's a waste of money if we don't know what we need. Now, in in terms of nutrients that we know particularly support estrogen, we know B12, B6, and B9 or folate serve as cofactors in the production of estrogen. So there was one study where they gave um, overweight menopausal women a combination of B12, B6, folate, and vitamin C, which did result in an increase of estrogen. They know that vitamin D also plays a role in in regulating estrogen. Um, and it appears to boost estrogen production by maintaining, um, healthy calcium levels. This is where I always say you really want to get your vitamin D levels checked to make sure you're at at least 60 on your vitamin D, um, So, you know, these are, these are things, again, I don't know that I would just jump to supplementing because it can be pretty expensive if you don't know what you're kind of aiming towards. And this is why in my program, we run an HTMA and an oat test. And then that way we can see if someone's deficient in these nutrients and supplement and eat accordingly. But I just mentioned these here because we do know that they are linked to estrogen. So B12, B6 and folate, and then vitamin D. And then the other one that is involved in the manufacturing of steroid hormones is magnesium so there was a study that showed magnesium reduced hot flashes by 50% so those are some things you know that we can look into if you know we're we're trying to work on our stress and our nutrition and we're exercising you know appropriately we've worked on our gut we've maybe given up some of these things like gluten and sugar that could be affecting it. And we're still not seeing results. You know, that's, that's when I might look at, you know, doing some lab testing and seeing, do I need these other nutrients or what else could be at play? Okay. Whew. So that was a lot. So we covered symptoms of low estrogen, testing for low estrogen, reasons behind low estrogen and what to consider. I hope this was extremely helpful. Well. Probably be linking a blog to this on the website at shetalkshealth.com so that you can um, learn there as well if you're someone who likes to look at things versus hear things. And gosh, I just hope you are having the greatest day. And I hope that this helped at least one person out there. And I'll see you on the next episode.
0: I hope this episode got you one
1: step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you've liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid. And I'm always here for you.